You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Morning, Schweitzer. I'm uh, David Freeman, your outreach director. So in our series, we've talked about dead ends, anger, frustration. Last week was the potent secrets, which kind of is a segue into talking about, so what do you do with authority? How do you use it well? What do you do when you don't trust the people around you? Uh, For 17 years, I was a facilitator at Discovery Ministries, and I led seven to 14-day wilderness challenge trips, right? People had to uh, cook their own food over a fire, read their own map and compass, get lost and go for adventures in the woods, you know, put up their own shelters. Basically, we did it as a laboratory for learning how to live well together when life is really hard. One of the things we consistently did is each day we assigned two leaders of the day. It was incredible. It didn't matter whether the group was junior high girls, uh, junior high boys, high school girls, high school boys, adult women, adult men, any combination of those. Every group practically defined leader of the day this way at the first of the trip. The leader of the day is responsible to figure out every solution and tell us all what to do, and the rest of us just get to go along for the ride. And every trip, the challenges were absolutely miserable while the groups functioned under that understanding of authority. Every trip. Until everybody started taking responsibility for the outcome of what was going on and everybody started fulfilling their roles together, the trip was miserable. But once they started doing that, the trips morphed into this fun challenge that sometimes people actually wanted to tackle for the day. So which do you want? Do you want your challenges in life to be miserable together? Or do you want them to be satisfying and maybe even fun most of the time? If you want it to be that way, then you have to learn to submit to one another in the reverence of Christ. We're going to dig into this hard this morning. This is Ephesians 5.21, which is the thesis statement for one of the most controversial topics in Scripture, Ephesians 5.22 through 6.9. But we're going to look at it in light of 5.21. What does submit mean? Accept or yield to the authority or will of another person. (laughs) None of us want to do that. Let's continue to hone our understanding of Ephesians 5.21 a little more. What does reverence to Christ mean? Or, as some translations, fear in Christ. Reverence or fear. There's a big element of that. I'm not saying this is the total element of reverence, but immediate obedience is a big element of reverence. If you will, a big element of reverence is immediately yielding my will to the person I revere. So perhaps we could look at Ephesians 5.21 this way. Submit to one another because you submit to Jesus. Here's the picture that pops into my mind. I'm a parent. I'm a daddy. I have left the house before and said, child, you are in charge of the other children. Have you done that? Oh, this is a fun experiment. Yeah. And inevitably, you know, you get, you get a tyrant and you get uh, chaos and rebellion. I mean, right off the bat, it takes time to teach them 
how to interact well together. But here is how I go to the child who is in charge. Child in charge, I'm not giving you permission to become a tyrant and do anything you want. I am asking you to watch over with care your, your brothers and sisters, well, in my case, your sisters, as if you were me. And, you know, sometimes the challenge goes the other way, and the, the ones being watched turn into uh, chaos, rebellious people. And I go to them and I say, look, when I leave your sister in charge of you, I want to come home and find out that you obeyed your sister as if I was the one who was standing there you were obeying. You following me? Have you done that with your kids? Have you been one of those kids? Yeah. And, and, and that is, I mean, Jesus, in essence, is saying to all of us, look, you're all my children. I love you equally. And yes, I need to put you in different positions with one another sometimes. So here's my, uh, what Paul, I think, is practically saying is, if you want to learn how to submit well to other people, which you need to learn that, then you need to learn and work on submitting well to Jesus. Okay, so here's how David practically applies this on a day-to-day basis in my life after studying this in that uh, laboratory at Discovery Ministries. Submission is basically the ability to know how and when to lead, follow, or collaborate. Practically, we all go in and out of those little uh, modes on a daily basis. And there are skill sets for each one of those that are different. However, there is a foundational skill set that applies to all of them. So you see this pyramid. If you will, you can imagine the top of the pyramid that finishes it out. There there would be a a pyramid for leading, there would be a pyramid for following, and there would be a pyramid for collaboration, right? Three different pyramids, but I'm just going to leave this foundation up as we talk about all three because the foundation is the same for each one of them. Submit to Jesus regardless of what position you're in with other people. And the way you submit to Jesus, the first level, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, submitting to Jesus. And then he tells us, what's the second commandment? Love your neighbors. Right. And so what Paul kind of talks about in Ephesians 5.22 through 6.9, he gives these three examples. And he says, look, folks, your spouse is your neighbor. Your child is your neighbor. Your parent is is your neighbor. Your employee is your neighbor. Your boss is your neighbor. Oh, let's take it a little further. Your vendors are your neighbors. Your customers are your neighbors. The politicians in charge around you are your neighbors. And what we're supposed to do with every single one of those people, I'm supposed to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I'm supposed to speak the truth in love with everybody around me. And when I screw up because I am a fallible person, just ask my wife and children, I have to do this at least two or three times a week, I need to be quick to ask forgiveness. Is there anybody you interact with who you don't want to do those things? We all want that from each other, regardless of what else is going on. So keep that in mind. Here's the little top of the pyramid for leading. Paul kind of gives three illustrations through here, right? Husband, father, boss. In those three illustrations, he's giving us characteristics of leadership that he wants us to do with each other. 
If you find yourself in a position of leadership, I want you to look out for the group as if they're your own body. I want you to sacrifice for them like I did for the church. Really, what you are in charge of is ensuring the healthy functioning of everybody around you together and helping them individually as you can. And then the other thing you're supposed to do, this is the father-son picture, don't be a jerk. Don't act in such a way that you provoke them to wrath. So I guess the positive way of saying that is act in such a way that you make it as easy as possible for them to submit to you. Because remember, you are submitting to me. And then he goes to the boss thing. Hey, if I put you in a position of authority over somebody, I want you to remember something. You're both under my authority, child. I'm not giving you permission to be a tyrant. You report to me just the same that they report to me. Okay, Paul goes on. He gives us some examples of what it looks like to follow, all right? And here's what he says in the uh, wife, child, and employee. Don't worry, we'll talk about the husband and wife thing here in a minute. You know, actually, I was going to really delve into that. And then I thought, we have just as much trouble about kids and parents and about bosses and employees as we do between figuring out how husbands and wives should relate. Really, I don't even want to dig into it. None of us want to submit to anybody. And what Paul says is, I don't care who you are, you need to submit. I don't care what position you're in, you need to submit. Okay, so follow. Uh, I want you to follow. Oh, here we go back to that parent putting the child in charge. I want you to follow as if I'm the one you're following. And then in the child example, he says, I want you to follow with, with a strong hope that if you follow will, well, I, Jesus Christ, will reward you. Following well was the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you and that you will live long in the earth. Wow. And then in the employee section, he says, and when you follow well, I, what I really want you to do, I want you to do your work as if I directly assigned it to you, as if you are working, as if your relationship with me is on the line. I, I, maybe that's pushing it too far. Not relationship. As if you're me being pleased with you or displeased with you is on the line. I mean, you're working for me. I don't care who, what person you're looking at, you're actually working for me. Now, the collaborate piece, I kind of extrapolate, okay? I'm pulling this from 521. Submit to who? Submit to one another, everybody around you, right? As if you're submitting to Jesus, right? Okay. So, but in Philippians 2, 4, Paul really kind of delves into this one. He says, do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. So collaborating is this uh, courageous and loving and respectful putting your own thoughts out on the table, as well as getting other people's thoughts out on the table and kind of working the puzzle together. It's challenging. There are thousands of books on leadership. There's about that many books, maybe this many books on followership, and there's about 10 or 20 on collaboration. We all want to be the person making people submit, right? Yeah. All right, so here's, I, I said, that's how we lead, follow, and collaborate, so stick with me on this. When do you lead, follow, and collaborate? Let's just say that I am the production manager at a widget production company, right? A plant. And uh, so there are three production managers in our plant. There's also a general manager, and each of us has a line, facilita or a line uh, foreman underneath us. 
So I walk in one morning, and the, the general manager walks up, and she says, hey, I want to have a meeting in my office in five minutes. I say, yes, ma'am, because I'm doing this to her, right? She walks away. I'm looking for my line foreman because I need to go to the line foreman and say, um, I, I need to go to a meeting in five minutes. Can you please get the line started and you know, just, just make everything work all right? Line foreman says, great. He's gone. Uh, walk down the hall a little bit further. Another production manager walks up. Ooh, we're on equal levels of authority. So I am doing this with that person. We both realize we're going into the boss's office in five minutes. Ooh, I wonder what's going on. Well, we walk into the boss's office a few moments later, and she says, hey, I'd like you all to help me figure out how we can add a seventh line in our company. Oh, boss has invited me to collaborate, so now I can do so. But we all know if I go in boss's office to collaborate, at any moment, she can go back to this, right? So I'm, I'm kind of doing both. I'm, I'm leaning towards this, but all the time I'm doing, and I know Jesus, I am doing this with you, regardless of what's going on down here. Okay, so my, uh, the line supervisor sticks his head in and says, hey, we had an accident on the line. Whoop, I turn to my boss, I say, do you mind if I take care of this? She says, sure. So I get up to go out and talk in the hall with my line foreman. Hmm, which am I doing now? Actually, I'm going to do this, because I delegated this responsibility to my line foreman, and if I, as the person in charge, walk into an area of delegated authority, I need to follow the person's will who I put in charge of that area, unless they prove that I need to take over, right? So I say, uh, well, what happened? He said, it's, it's not really that big of a deal. Uh, we had a minor breakdown. Nobody's hurt. I just wanted to keep you in the loop. I say, great. Uh, do you need me? I don't think you need me. And he says, no, I'm fine. Okay, great, he goes off. So you see how I'm switching around between all these? As everywhere I'm walking all day long. Let's go home. So I go home that evening. <clears throat> My wife gets home first. Oh yeah, you ready? Okay, we're going home. Here we go. My wife gets home first, and we've both agreed whoever gets in the house first is the leader because that person is on scene first. Now, my wife and I have had this discussion. What is my position in relationship to my wife? Um, my wife tells me that she thinks that I should be this. I have kind of landed on this because, frankly, when I used to think that I was this over my wife and my entire house, I was a jerk and things didn't really go well at home. It just goes better when I interpret Paul this way. You know... We've all got to figure these things out for ourselves. All right. Anyway, so uh, I walk in the house. It's kind of calm in the house, and I see my wife. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How was your day? My day was fine, you know, yada, yada, yada. I walk in the kitchen, and my daughter is in the kitchen doing, preparing a meal. Now, um, am I this or am I this in the kitchen with my daughter there? I mean, I am definitely this. There's no debate. I am this over my daughter, right? Um, however, a couple weeks earlier, we sat down as a family to figure out who is in charge of which chores in the house. And we decided that my daughter was in charge of cooking the meal in the kitchen, which means when I walk into the kitchen, you betcha, I better do this if I want my daughter to have success in her chores, right? And I asked my daughter, hey, do you need me to cook, uh, help anything with the meal? And she says, no, dad, I got it under control. Yes! I leave, right? Okay, now let's, let's rewind. I come home, I walk in the door, I smell food burning, I hear a door slam, my five-year-old is crying, and I look over and my wife has a rag on her head, she's laying on the sofa moaning. I've learned the hard way not to immediately jump to this. Right? So I still walk in. She was there first. She's still the person on scene in charge. I asked my wife, hey, um, looks like things might be challenging. Do you want me to 
do anything? And if she goes, yes, dun, dun, da, finally, I get to do this in my house. However, I have learned to do this in full submission to Jesus rather than, yes, I have ultimate power. I can make anybody do anything I want now. It really doesn't even work at home, especially that doesn't work at home. So, yes, I get directive following Jesus and try to get back to this in my house as quickly as I can. I hope that helps you. That, that is really the way I think about submitting to people throughout my days as I go about. All right. Problems happen. <laughs> when people read Ephesians 5.22 through 6.9 and try to figure out what other people should do and try to get them to do it. Yeah, you've all been there. You've been on both sides of that fence. You've tried to get other people to do their role, and you've had others. Nobody likes that. What I found out is when I work really hard uh, on submitting to Jesus and I get better at submitting to other people, miraculously, the people around me get better at submitting to me. So who do I need to work on? In light of last week's sermon on secrets, I just want to touch on this. I don't want to go there because I want to stay on talking about what healthy submission looks like, but what do you do when you don't trust? We're supposed to submit to one another, which means yielding your will, right, to somebody you don't trust, somebody who has burned you, somebody who has, for good reason, lost your trust. Oh. According to Harmony House, December 24th, Marquis, one in three women and one in seven men will experience domestic violence. One researcher wrote, people don't quit their jobs, they quit their managers. Actually, I believe that managers don't quit their jobs, they quit their people. It goes both ways. Submission is a two-way street. Right out of college, I uh, got a job in retail management, right? And I was all excited. I showed up the first day. I was all spiffied up. And I went in the store, was looking for the manager. I, you know, I held my head high. And I went up and I gave a good, firm handshake to him. And here's what he said. I mean, this is verbatim. I shook his hand. I said, hi, I'm David Freeman. He said, it's the people. It's the blankety-blankety people. That was my introduction to management. So I recommend a couple books from Henry Cloud, Boundaries and Necessary Endings. In his Necessary Endings book, he has a, a piece in the middle that talks about relationships. And both of those books kind of help balance putting up healthy protections of yourself while submitting well to other people. It's tricky. It's tough. Now, having said that, I have been a part of, and I have heard and read many stories of brothers and sisters being in very caustic environments, submitting to Jesus, digging in, getting on their knees, staying in those caustic environments, and bringing about amazing dynamic change. <clears throat> and I can't stand here and tell you to do that regardless of the circumstances. I guess the principle is, Stay in love with Jesus, stay in clear communication to Jesus, submit to Jesus, and then do what he tells you to do in your circumstances with other people. All right, well, let's get back to studying what healthy submission looks like, shall we? 
Several contemplative writers have this metaphor about our life together. Hey, we're all on this river together. There's beautiful thoughts about water. And scripture talks about the spirit being water in some ways. And I'm a canoer, so I love the water metaphor. In canoeing, we have this saying, you can use the water or you can fight the water. The water wins, by the way, every time if you fight it. I guess another way of saying that is saying, you can submit to one another in unity, or we can muddle along in dysfunction. So my wife Colette and I are pretty good paddlers. It wasn't always that way. In our early years, we earned the nickname, the Deer Jerk Duo. Paddle, dear, shut up, jerk. <laughs> yeah, I figured you could relate to that one. Uh-huh, yeah. And uh, she was right in calling me that. It's because I thought that I was an excellent canoeer and knew everything, and I tried to control everything that happened in the boat. Well, we got pregnant. We had a few kids. Colette mostly stayed home with those kids. I was an instructor at Discovery Ministries. I had to improve my canoeing skills, and I studied for seven years. I took classes. I paddled a lot. Also, I studied submission, you know, what we're talking about in Ephesians 5, 21 through 6, 9. For seven years, I studied. And then finally... Finally, I got my wife back. And we got in a canoe together seven years later, and we made the canoe dance. She hadn't practiced at all. I had practiced forever. Who needed to change? Yeah, uh, Colette, most of our, I, I would say Colette has always been skillful in our marriage at submitting to me. But until I learned to submit to her, uh, we didn't quite have as much joy in our challenges together, but, but the better I got at it. Well, watch, watch this. It was a beautiful spring day. Colette and I were at the top of our game, so we decided to drop sideways into a keeper hole, which is a major no-no in canoeing. And we did it knowing that we could not figure our way out of that keeper hole until we were in the keeper hole. Our plan was, since I was in the back, I called which knee to lean on, and she would follow that call. Since she was in the front, she initiated course corrections, and I followed her course corrections. We took a deep, calming breath, reminded ourselves, hey, this is supposed to be fun, then started through the entrance rapids. Wait, 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 left knee, yeah, caught the eddy, keep on the left knee to spin, okay, we're setting our angle, use the water, wait, 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 right knee, catch the eddy, use the eddy to spin, we're going to set our angle using the water and the lean of our bodies, we've got the angle set, we go flat, we're going, good angle, we're about to drop in, yeah, 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 freeze. Skilled paddlers keep their head over their body. Notice, during this critical moment, David's head is wildly flailing about over the water, while Colette's head remains in perfect form. Yeah, this wasn't perfect execution, but as long as one of us keeps our head, we can usually recover. Oh, and we recovered. Great. Once we get in the keeper hole, we know that we need to calm down, and we have to stay on our right knee. The moment we weight our left knee or go flat, the canoe will instantly flip. So now we're calmly testing the currents as we shout to each other, trying to collaborate to figure out how we're going to get out of this thing. We figure out, okay, yep, we're pretty confident we need to paddle forward and Colette needs to do a cross bow draw all while we stay on our right knee and stay calm and have fun. Okay, we're going, execute the plan, 
Oh, yeah, good crossbow draw, Colette, and stick with it. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, oh, boy, it's getting tiring. Oh, and we're out, and we go flat. Oh, right knee so we don't flip. Stay flat, go flat, and right knee so we don't flip. Yes, okay, don't celebrate yet. Stay confident. Okay, paddle, paddle, paddle in. Right knee into the calm water, and we celebrate doing a hard thing together. Yeah. Thanks for sticking with me, honey. <laughs> Folks, unity through submission is a gift from God. It allows us to engage this crazy world with style. Be the neighbor you want to have. Be the spouse you want to have. Be the child you want to have. Be the parent you want to have. Be the employee you want to have. Be the boss you want to have. Submit to one another in the reverence of Christ.